0: Did I tell y'all that uh, when I was a teenager, I used to have a black Labrador named Leroy? We haven't heard that. You haven't heard that one yet? Well, you will. <laughs> yeah, when I lived in Whitehaven, I had a black Labrador named Leroy. And people would come from miles around, all over the place, to uh, see Leroy. It wasn't because he was such a smart and trained animal. It was You know how Labradors love to fetch. He loved to fetch. But the the reason people came to see Leroy, because he was the only dog that I ever knew of that could swim the backstroke. (laughs) How I got a dog that could swim the backstroke, I don't know. But I was, he loved to fetch, but he was deathly afraid of water. (laughs) And so when those two forces collided, look out. It was it was a show to behold. I wish I would have, if I'd have been more entrepreneurial back in those days, I'd have probably marketed it better and come out richer than the guy that come up with that talking gecko. But like I said, people would gather around and we'd ha- we'd go to the bow where there was plenty of water, and I had one of those training dummies, you know, and I could hear him over there talking in the background. What did we come here for? This is this it. That dog can't swim the backstroke, you know. And they were over there. Surely, he's over-exaggerating, you know. And I'd throw a few times and get Leroy all pumped up. He's slobbering, you know, bringing it back. And then, shame on me, there'd be that time I'd take it and I'd just chunk it out there in the bio. And old Leroy would get going and he'd get jump over the water and then he'd realize his mistake. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And he would hit that water and he would go completely under. And he'd be down there for like two or three seconds, but I knew from experience he was down there thinking, uh oh. <laughs> Cause when he would come up, those gangly legs would be slapping that water like this. It was like a nuclear-powered paddle boat or something, you know. And he would just all kind of noise and stuff going on. Sound like an angry beaver tail slapping convention or something. It was it was bad. And uh he would get to going and try and, and his his head would be two or three feet off the, the the water, you know, because he was just didn't want it in the water. He didn't want anything to do with it. He was slapping it like this. And pretty soon, he started leaning back from slapping so hard, and he would go into the backstroke. <laughs> and, man, you never heard such hee-hawing and laughing in your whole life going on over there on the bank. I mean, I didn't feel so bad. Other people were laughing too. But <laughs> they loved to see Leroy doing the backstroke. Did I tell you about the time I took Leroy teal hunting? Well, I had to tell you later. Because <laughs> obviously, we've got to get to our message. Today's message is entitled, Mark My Words. And if you were to really mark my words, you've got that little sheet that you can follow along. That's your first question on there. Who can tell me today's number? <sighs> Can't do this trick, but maybe once or twice. There's a number three. It says today's number on your little bulletin. If you didn't get a bulletin, then it's not my fault. Should have got a bulletin. On that bulletin, the reason why we stress the bulletin is because you can take notes, stay awake, keep you sharp, mark God's words as we go down through there. But also on the back side is our announcements, and you can't know what's going on in the service services or with the church without checking out the announcements, you can post those on your refrigerator. Today's message, Mark My Words. John 6, 63 in the King James. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words, say the words. The words that I speak to you, this is Jesus talking, the words that I speak to you The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Many of us, we speak something else. We have our own way of talking. Our words, not necessarily spirit and life all the time, huh? In fact, uh, we go through life and we've been told so many things, been through so many things. We begin to lower our expectations of what we should be. With our own words. We say things like, I suck. (laughs) I'm the worst ever. I'm such a failure. I can't do anything right. Maybe you find yourself saying those kind of things. Uh, It's insecurities, speaking, setting the bar low so nobody expects anything out of you. I know how that is. Some go the other direction. But some just use self-deprecating humor, you know, Reminds me of old Rodney Dangerfield. I don't get any respect, you know. Rodney Dangerfield said, Doc, every time I look in the mirror, I want to throw up. What's wrong with me? Doctor said, I don't know, but your eyesight's perfect. (laughs) 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 Yeah, Rodney Dangerfield was bad. But like I said, some, they, they take it a totally different direction. They're like... I hate when I'm fixing to hug somebody really beautiful and my face hits the mirror, you know. (laughs) Overcompensating, you know. They take it the other direction. But Jesus didn't talk like either one of those. He just told the plain truth. You didn't hear Jesus saying or singing, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way, even though he was perfect. You didn't hear him going around singing that. You didn't hear him saying I'm just a poor boy from Nazareth. I didn't get to go to college. I don't have any training for this. Nobody's going to go to the prom with me. (laughs) Nobody's going to believe me. Everybody hates me. I wish I wouldn't even come. Did you hear Jesus saying those kind of things? Even at, you know, his darkest hour? No, John 12, 49 tells what Jesus uh, would say. He said, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. So Jesus didn't just open his mouth and say any kind of thing. The Father told him what to say and how to say it. He said, I know his commands lead to eternal life. So what I say, whatever I say whatever the Father tells me to say, that's what I say. Jesus, did, he just spoke what the Father told him to say. In other words... He looked at the Word of God and said, that's the kind of things that I'm going to be saying. I understand I'm here with a purpose. I'm an ambassador for God Almighty. I am God Almighty. And I'm going to speak the Word. Because we all know that words can either hurt or heal. I don't care what you sang on the playground when you was little. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never... That was just another mechanism. Because you know those words could hurt you. Some of us today are still struggling with things that were said on the playground. Somebody told you your nose was big or your eyes were, looked funny or something, and, and today you still put on your makeup in a way to try to hide your eyes. Or, there's things that went on in our, in our past when people said about us, and we still believe it, and it still affects us, and it still affects how we live our life. Proverbs 18, 21 says the tongue can bring death or life. Wow. What power is in the tongue? That's a a big range from death all the way over to life. It can bring either one. And it says those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Every word you say bears a consequence. Have you thought about that? The words that you say, those who love to talk, you're going to bear the consequences of what's coming out your mouth. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Mark my words. That's what we're going to talk about today. Ephesians six seventeen says that uh, the word of God is the sword of the spirit, right? So it's likened unto something, a cutting utensil. <laughs> and Jesus certainly cut the devil up with it. The devil thought he was, had Jesus right where he wanted him. He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, was out in the wilderness, and, and he attacks him and tempts him three times. And I'm sure Jesus was like, man, I'm hungry, I'm tired. He, but you didn't hear him saying that, did you? I'm wore out. I can't go on. See, that's where, where, where we would have been. The devil would have pounced all over us. But yet, instead of punching the devil like I would have wanted to, get it over with, Jesus knew his more effective tool was to say it is written and speak the, the Father's words. And that was, that's all the tool he needed to destroy the enemy. And that's all the tool that you need. You, you know there's an enemy, right? I mean, we are on a series about spiritual warfare. We, we've established that there is an enemy out to get us to change the way we think and ultimately to get us to confess bad things in our life. So if speaking the Word of God is a, is a weapon for good, what is it when we repeat the devil's lies? Y'all can help today. It can be a weapon for, it can be a sword for evil. That just stands to reason. If you're saying good things, it's a sword for God. If you're saying evil things, it's a sword for the devil. And we better be careful when you pull out your sword, because it can cut you up. You can cut yourself, or you can cut anyone within hearing. The words that you say, and you know it's true, because you've been cut before by the words of others. But many of you don't realize you're being cut by the words that you say. You say, Pastor, you just... You're just being dramatic again. You, you make everything such a big deal. Oh, yeah? I wrote this. I believe everything that you are today is in some way a direct result of things said over you. Think of yourself right now, where you're at. Your relationship with God, your financial situation, uh, your courage level your ability to dream, Uh, you want to take that new job, you want to do this, but you're scared, you won't do this, or you won't do that, you think of yourself a certain way, all that is a direct result of words that have been spoken over you. Some of you are saying, well, I don't have any of those issues. I'm doing great. I'm free. It's because God spoke words over you that led you into that freedom. You don't get there without positive words. You don't get free because you know human nature. You don't become an overcomer except in Christ. I didn't think about it. I didn't put it in my message, but who is Jesus? He's the Word made flesh that dwelt among us. Man, we're getting really deep. But am I telling the truth? Are words important? Because we've As Christians, we begin to slip, and we begin to say any old manner of things, and we can get together with the guys and say whatever comes to mind and say, it don't matter, I'm not religious. You know, and before you know it, you done cut each other up, and you're walking away like, what just happened? We don't realize the damage that we can do to ourselves, to our spouses, to our children. To our friends, to somebody you don't know at Walmart, just happened to hear what you were saying. You know, Matthew twelve thirty six says this. I tell you this: you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word that you speak. <coughs> the words that you say will either acquit you, or they'll condemn you. Sounds like it might be a pretty big deal, what's coming out of our mouths. So, some of you have heard this teaching seven times, and this will be your eighth time. But guess what? You know you've slipped back, so you need to hear it again. Some of you have never heard this message. You're like, what? It don't matter what I say. My words don't mean nothing. Nobody's listening to me. Okay, because... I know for a fact the devil keys off of your words. You go around saying, I'm afraid of heights. I'm afraid of this. The devil's going to make sure that stuff comes into your life to keep you down. He's like, oh, tell me more, tell me more. (laughs) Because he's responding to your fears that you've just revealed to him. And you give him all kinds of license to operate in that area. You see, you're giving the devil permission to come into your life and keep the things that you don't like the way they are. That's right. He don't know what you're thinking, but he's throwing thoughts at you. And then when you respond out of your mouth, he says, got him. Got him. Got him to say it. You see, that's the only thing he has against us is lies. He's the father of lies. And he comes to us, he may come as an angel of light. But, but when he speaks, it's going to be a lie. And when you believe and you agree with him, then you're siding with the devil. And meanwhile, the angels, which Hebrews says are ministering spirits, sent to minister to the heirs of salvation, which is who we are. We're heirs of salvation. We're the Christians. The, the minister. You remember when we started this series? What's the name of this series? Heaven is all around us. Why? Because we told the story of Elisha when, when uh, the guy was so scared and, and God, Elisha said, God opened his eyes so that he could see and the hills were filled with chariots of fire. And heaven was all around us. Ministering angels are all around us. And they're there to be dispatched at our word. They're there to minister to us and they're probably sitting over there, are you listening to what she's saying now? They're looking, they're looking at each other. Man, we could have taken care of that. The harvest is right there. We could have went and got it. But what are they saying? Lack. Poverty out of their mouth. The minister and angels are saying, what in the world? What in the world? (laughs) Got to be shaking their heads. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt communication. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the use of edifying. What is edifying? It's building up. It's bringing positive change. That it may minister grace unto the hearers because somebody has tuned into your voice and what you say needs to be good out of your mouth. Edifying, grace. And then it goes on to say, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. You can grieve the Holy Spirit by what you're saying. Now, I've got a lot of things on my list to do in this life, and not nowhere on that list is grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Never. And so I have to learn to watch my mouth, because with our words, We foster either faith or doubt and unbelief. Well, I thought that's just, you know, what you believed on the inside. No words play an important part about what you believe. Turn to Romans 10. Familiar scripture, but I want you to look at it. Lay your eyes on it. Everybody doing good today? Because y'all are awful quiet. Y'all ain't helping me none. This is a deep message, man. (laughs) It's deep. This is life changing. You come to church, you say you want to be changed. You want God to help you? Then he's helping you right now. He's helping you right now. Seems something simple, but it's so deep. All right, Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by what we hear. I thought we were talking about what we say. Well, when somebody says something, that's what you hear. What you hear is going to create faith if it's the Word of God because it says hearing by the Word of God. If you're hearing God's kind of words, it's going to create faith. But what if you're hearing other kind of words? Doubt and unbelief. So that's why our words are created. You see, when you speak, right now as I'm speaking, my ears are hearing, right? And do you believe yourself? Whatever I'm saying, I'm probably going to believe it or I wouldn't say it. So what I'm speaking is coming back into my ears and being planted down into my heart. Seeds, either good seeds or bad seeds. And I'm believing, and those seeds are springing up and becoming part of what I am as a human being, what I think. See, I am what I think. Isn't that wild? You're more than the sum of how much you weigh or what kind of clothes you wear. You are who you believe, who you are on the inside. What are your thoughts? Am I making any sense? Because I don't typically get deep, because I, I don't have the capacity. <laughs> But God is helping me. Okay. See, I just said negative words about myself. (laughs) Y'all pray for the pastor. (laughs) I do need prayer. Oh, I said it again. (laughs) No. Okay, okay. Yes, I do need prayer. All right. Now, I'm going to say something. Might upset some people that's heard different preaching. But I don't believe, as some people preach that our words have supernatural creative power. I don't believe we can say something and bring it into existence. That may upset some people. If you don't want to believe that, that's fine. I don't believe we're God. I don't believe we have the creative power. I do believe this. When we speak God's word, and our ears hear it, and it builds up faith in our heart, God responds, to what we said because we have faith in our heart. God is the creator, but he's listening to what you say in faith. Your words in themselves, they're not going to create anything. But your words spoken in faith are heard by a God who can create all things. Does that make sense? Because I think the teaching, I feel like the teaching got out of hand when it began to say that we could speak and, and change situations. God is the creator. We have the faith to believe the words that God spoke, in my opinion. So what we say deeply affects what we believe. That's on your sheet. What we say deeply affects what we believe. And negative words out of our mouth can cause all kind of confusion within us. I'll give you an example. You live in this body, right? You have a, a soul and a, and a spirit, and you live in the body. You're sort of like the captain of your ship. And when flu season comes, you say, Oh, it's flu season. I always get the flu. I, every year I get the flu. What has happened is you whooped out your sword and you threw out some words. And your ears heard those words, and it computed into your brain and into your immune system. And they they said, okay, the captain just said, when the flu comes, don't fight it because we're supposed to get it. Some of this is just... But what do hypochondriacs always talk about? Sickness and disease. Oh my goodness. Did you know I got 12 different diseases? I'm taking medication for this and this. And all all that I can talk about is my ailments. And they get in a spiral, a downward spiral. It gets worse and worse. The more they talk about being sick, broke down, old, which I'm bad about that. I'm getting older. I can't get around like I used to. And we talk ourselves into an early grave. We give the devil license. To come into our life. We're saying, "This is what I believe," and the devil says, "God, that's that's on my territory. I can get him on that one, right?" We have what we say, what we believe. Hypochondriacs. And speaking more about myself, I will say this without any hesitation. Oh, y'all wish you had a wife like I got. <laughs> I got not only a beautiful, smart, intelligent, helpful wife, she's the kind of wife would go play golf with me, even though she don't care about golf, just to sit in the cart and be with me while I enjoy playing golf. Thank you, sweetie. It makes all the difference in the world to know somebody just cares about you, just wants to be with you, didn't even play with me. Didn't care about playing; just wanted to go with me. Spent the day with me, and we're in. We get in the cart, put my bag on, and we're heading to the first hole. And I, and I say, Angie, you know I suck at golf. I say, you know I, I'm terrible. I, I used to be good, but I can't play anymore. I can't even hit the ball straight. I got a bad slice. I said, this first hole, in fact, I, I think I always shoot a nine or a ten on it. It's a par five, and I hit. I usually hit two in the water, or I hit one in the. And so on penalty strokes, I'm going to shoot her nine or ten, and uh, I, just, I suck at golf. She said, are you listening to what you're saying? That's a good wife, because we need an accountability partner when it comes to the words of our mouth. She said, are you listening to what you're saying? She said, that's why you can't hunt and fish good, because that's all you talk about is how bad you suck at hunting and fishing. I don't know. Maybe I do suck at these things, which I do. I do it again. So you see, if the pastor struggles, you know you'll struggle too. We'll all struggle together, but we, but verbally agreeing with the fact, the fact that I do suck, almost ins- assures that my results will never change. See, facts were meant to be changed. Just because it's a fact right now don't mean it has to stay that way. There's something more powerful than a fact. It's called the truth. While we look not to the things which are not seen, or, or to the thing, not, not to the things which are seen, but to the things which are not seen, which are eternal in the heavens, For the things which are seen are subject to change. Thank you. (laughs) Woo! Most people, they either live up to or down to their own expectations. What you expect out of yourself is who you're going to become. I don't have the energy to do that stuff anymore. I'll just sit on the couch the rest of my days. You've given yourself the license and the excuse to be the lower form of yourself than you know you were created to be because of the words of your mouth. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What are those seeds that you've been planting in your heart? that's been coming out of your mouth, heard by your ears, and agreed upon and planted, you're allowing to be planted in your heart. And I'm going to say something that you know is true, that the devil or somebody speaking for the devil, usually the devil's not going to be the main one. He's got plenty of people that that he can use their mouths. (laughs) The devil or somebody speaking for the devil, and, and sometimes you're the one speaking for the devil when you're speaking the devil's words into other people's lives. That's what I'm trying to say. But somebody has spoke for the devil over your life and said some awful things in your past that doesn't line up with what the Word of God says, doesn't line up with the way God feels about you or wants for you or plans for you or desires for you. And your insecurities, we all got some. It's human nature. Your own securities. Have taken up the devil's refrain, and that is who we have become. Once again, I want you to take a moment and think of of where you have limited yourself just by your own thoughts about your life, about who you are. Then I want you to ask the question who told you that? Was it God? Or was it an agent of the devil? Because you are living up to your expectations right now, and until you change the expectations that you have for your life, you're going to stay the same. we got to stop agreeing with the enemy if we ever want positive change you want to you want change well you d- remember it's not good intentions but it's it's what is it? Not good intentions, but direction that gets you to your destination. You've got to change your direction, and you do that with your mouth. What report are you believing? What are you declaring over your life? You'll never go farther than what you believe about yourself in relation to God. The world says you'll never go farther than you believe about yourself, but I say in relation to God. That just changes the whole ball game, Because me and God could take on this whole world. In relation to your relationship with God, what are your possibilities? I know in your own strength, I can do nothing apart from God. You know that. And so that's what we claim. But no, a Christian is going to say, I can go as far as what I believe about my relation with God. Let's let God enter the equation. (laughs) You certainly won't change your future by stripping yourself down to the old voices of your past. It's time that you begin to speak a new word. Mark my words. (laughs) I love the word of God. I don't know about y'all. This isn't some help, self-help lecture. This is the Word of God. Our words set the course of our world. We know that in Hebrews, through faith we understand that the world's framed by the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 11. God spoke the world that we see today into existence. Words. He didn't get a hammer and nail out and build it. He spoke it. Tell me words aren't important. There would be no creation without the Word of God. And our faith, what we believe, is either revealed or determined by what we speak. Man, I'm going so deep today, man. I'm confusing my own self. Our faith is either revealed because what you say... You know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaketh. <laughs> it's gonna, you're, you're eventually going to say what you really believe in your heart. So your faith is either revealed or it can be determined by what you say. And our words steer our course. Words. Let's turn to James chapter 3. thank you lord for spirit of wisdom James chapter 3 our words set the course for our world Verse 2 it says indeed we all make many mistakes hallelujah for if we could control our tongues i want you to notice how close Mistakes and tongues come together in this passage. If we could control our tongues, is this the Bible we're reading? This ain't field and stream, this is is the Word of God. If we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. And could control ourselves in every other way. If we could what? Control our tongues. Is that the word of God? Am I making this up? You can control everything in your life by the words of your mouth, by your little old tongue. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by the means of a small bit in his mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. Hey, the winds are strong in this world. They're fighting against you going where God wants to go, but you've got a rudder that can turn the course of your life. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. Talking about spiritual warfare. In uh, the book of Numbers, chapter 13, there's the well known story about Moses sending the spies out to spy out the Promised Land. They've been in the wilderness, and it's time to go in. Aren't you ready to go into the Promised Land? Aren't you ready to cross over? Ain't you tired, Miss Hilly? Anybody see that movie? All right. So they're wanting to go into the promised land. They're excited about it. Moses said, well, let's send some spies in first, and we'll find out what it's like. Now, Moses doesn't just pick 12 idiots at random. He goes and gets the heads of all 12 of the tribes of Israel. The heads. The ones that are supposed to have it all together. 12 of them. says, go in. I want you to tell me everything. What kind of fruit's in there? What kind of soil is in there? Tell me about the buildings. Tell me about the fortifications. Tell me about the people. And so they go in, and for 40 days, they look around, go to different cities. They cut one cluster of grapes that's so heavy that they have to carry it on a pole between two men. And for 40 days, God keeps them safe in the midst of their enemies, and they come back with those grapes, And all the people are waiting to hear. What's the report? Because they're all wanting to go in. And they started out good. It is, Moses, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. Oh, my goodness. Look at the grapes we brought back. It is a beautiful land. Just everything God described that it would be. But then they whipped out a different sword. They begin to say, but the people, man, they're so much bigger than us. Cities are fortified, and there's really nothing that we can do. It would be nice and everything to go up, but but there's no way. We we, We felt like we were grasshoppers in our sight and their sight. These people would rip us to shreds. There's no way. One of the guys jumped up. Caleb says, we're well able. God's on our side. Let's go in and possess it at once. But the other guys kept talking. You're crazy, Caleb, man. We're not going in there, man. Those were giants in there. I'm not not taking on that. And so their evil words dissuaded the people. Now, were they actually small compared to the enemy in physical stature? Probably so. So it's a fact, right? It's a fact that they were smaller than the enemy. But did they consider that God Almighty was on their side? I'm trying to get you back to that point again. you got to know that God is for you. If God be for me, now that's speaking the word of God right there. That's what you're supposed to be saying. If God be for me, who can stand against me? Who can be against me? Me and God can take on Russia, China, and the North Koreans, ISIS. Yes, sir, God's got this. See, the ten who sided with the facts and not the truth caused fear and doubt in their evil report. And they were wielding a dangerous sword that made God furious. Causing doubt in unbelief, in his people. God wants us to speak words of faith, to build people up, grace unto the hearers. Isn't that what it said? Edifying words. But their words caused the whole nation to fear. And so they they wouldn't go into the promised land. They would not take what God desired for them to have. And what was it? Was there a battle fought and they lost it? The battle fought was in their words. It was words, simply words that they heard with their ears and they believed. Words brought them, caused them to be defeated without a, a blow being thrown, without an arrow being shot. If you're not entering, promised land in your life and I know you want to the land flowing with milk and honey with big grapes (laughs) fine houses fortified cities God wants to get you across he wants to get you into your promise your inheritance that Gary talked about but are you letting somebody talk you out of it or what's coming out of your mouth would be my first question Pastor, nothing works right in my life. I wanna, I wanna have blessings. I wanna be financially successful. I wanna, you know, I'm tired of all this sickness and disease in my life. How, how come God's not blessing me? Why come am I such a failure? Did you listen to what you just said? Oh, Lord Jesus. There were two guys. Not all 12 of them came back with a bad report. There were two guys, Joshua and Caleb. It says in Numbers 14 and verse 6, Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, they tore their clothes and they said to all the people of Israel, The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, He will bring us. Say, He will bring us. See, they're not relying on their own grasshopperness. He will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. Your negative words are affront to the living God who taught you better. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people. Of the land. They're only helpless. Pray to us. They have no protection but the Lord. Say, but the Lord is with us. 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 That is that is the battle. Do you believe it? The Lord is with us. sometimes we think, well, I missed it now He's not with me today until I get it right. Well, how long is it going to take you to get it right? He's either with you or he's not. He's not pleased at everything we do, but He's always with you. He's trying to pick you up, keep you straight, dust you off, and get you back into the race. The Lord is with us, don't be afraid why were the people afraid because of the evil report stop all the evil report stop all the negative talk stop all the criticizing yourself or others should not be once named among us my dad came over to take us teal hunting and I was trying to bring leroy with me Dad said, "Don't bring that dog, boy. He ain't no hunting dog. He don't know. It's gonna be a waste of time." And, but I said, "Dad, let me bring him. Come on. I'm trying to train him. You know, this will be a good opportunity and whatever." So we went teal hunting. Teal is just a little small duck. They fly real fast. But we were, we were shooting. I mean, we went to this place where it was like ankle deep water, so it wasn't in deep water or anything. And it was by like chest high Johnson grass all out there. And we were shooting them down 30, 40 yards out there, pow, pow. And we, as fast as we could shoot them, that dog would go straight. He, the dog's this tall, the grass is this high. He can't see a thing, but he brings back every teal. Leroy did. Why? Because he's got like the best nose I've ever seen on a dog. I mean, he could trail a gnat poop from a, through a fertilizer <laughs> farm. I mean, that's the kind of nose. Awesome. My dad was like, I can't believe this dog. Man, that's, I, that's good. I was so proud. <laughs> and, and then one time, the bow went down real low, and so so low that the poor little fish, is, you know, fins were sticking up out of the water. And so I said, hey, a good chance for me to catch some fish. And so I says, Leroy, go get them fish. He would r- jump jump down the bank and go out there, and he would wrestle them big three- and four-pound catfish and just bring them up to the top of the bank and lay them down on them. I said, we got a fishing dog. I'm talking a good dog. And then, when we used to live in Whitehaven, Haven, had Leroy, and sometimes we would go fishing. Uh, from where we lived, we lived in front of Havenview, and about two, three miles away, down the road, down Holmes Road is a funeral home. You might remember they used to have some lakes out back at that funeral home, and we used to go fishing there. So I would, we'd, me and my little brother, we'd walk, and we'd take Leroy with us, and we'd fish. And one day, Leroy... Took off after a rabbit or something around the lake, and we didn't see him for a while. And then it started getting late in the afternoon, and couldn't find Leroy. call and went looking till it got slap dark. Walked home in the dark. And I was so worried about Leroy, because we walked back home two or three miles. Didn't see him for several days. And I remember sitting on my curb in front of the house and one day, and I was just thinking about it. And I was, I, I didn't really know the Lord back then, but I was probably making some deal with him. God, please bring my dog back please bring me a dog. And I was trying not to cry, you know, and all of a sudden I, I felt something licking on my face. And I looked over and it was Leroy. He had smelled his way home. That was a good dog. Maybe the best dog I ever had. I don't know, I had another good one named Daffy, but. But what do I tell this story? I don't know. No, I do know. I'll tell you why I tell this story. I'm just thankful that Leroy didn't speak English. (laughs) Because he would have heard all the mean and hateful things people said about him, about the backstroking Labrador. He would have took all that laughing and all that kind of stuff personally. It may have (laughs) broke his spirit. may have made him feel like that he can't do nothing right. Maybe he'd have just stopped trying. He'd have started believing that he was just a joke. But not Leroy. He didn't listen to those things that people said. Maybe he wasn't a good swimmer. Maybe you aren't good in some area, and maybe somebody's run you down because of that one area. But you're good at something, and we're not all called to be good at everything. Leroy was great at sniffing, smelling, a great retriever. Just because of one little shortcoming in his life? Is he supposed to be down his whole life and beat up and, and think that he can never change? Never do anything great? No. He was a great dog. I thought I was training Leroy, but Leroy was training me. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You've been given the words of eternal life. You've been given the words of victory, a shout of victory. You have everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness here in the Word of God. Jesus is your Savior, and He is your Word. <laughs> in Jeremiah 1.5, God says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Maybe somebody told you you were of an accident that you were born out of a wedlock, that you're, they call you something nasty, that you were a mistake. We didn't mean for you to happen, and you took that to heart. No, that's not the way it is. God knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. Every cell of your DNA, just the way he wanted it. You are God's masterpiece. Ephesians, what, six ten. He says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as a prophet to my nation. So there is a a destiny for your life. There is a call upon your life. Okay, so you can't swim. Maybe you can smell. (laughs) Some of you do, no. Some of you are great smellers. What I meant to say. Oh, sovereign Lord. Jeremiah says, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. That's what we say to the Lord. I can't do it. Jeremiah was thinking about his personal situation, him by himself. He was thinking about the facts and not the truth. And God says, don't say I'm too young. Don't say it. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. Don't say that other stuff. Even if it's a fact, don't say it. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. That's what we need to be paying attention to that the Lord has spoken the one who does have creative power, miracle-working power. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out, and he touched my mouth, and he said, Look, I have put my words in your mouth. That's the way it's supposed to be. (laughs) The Lord has put his words in your mouth. That's how victory's done. That's how winning's done. The Lord's words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. One man. To stand up against nations and kingdoms because what's too hard for God? Tell me that. If you were chosen, if you were called, if he knew you in your mother's womb, what's too hard for you? He said, Some of them you must uproot and tear down and destroy and overthrow, and others you must build up and plant. And the same could be said about your words. Some of them you must uproot, tear down, destroy, and overthrow and never say again. Others you must build up and plant into your heart. That's how winning's done, folks. Your words are important. I'm not just dramatic, trying to be dramatic and have another sermon to preach. I'm telling you how winning is done. Angie's on me all the time because my words, I'm a perfectionist and I tend to say whatever I see. Well, I'm a realist. I'm just going to say what I see. Okay, well, then you're just going to continue to get what you see. Because God told Abraham, look up at the stars, buddy. Look up at the stars. See something different. See the super on your natural. Woo! (laughs) Man. Glory. Glory to God. If God be for us, I don't know who would dare be against us. Have you seen a lot of stories in the Bible where they did what God said and spoke what God spoke, and then they came out losers? In fact, he told those, how do I put this? Those knuckleheads, when they did cross into the promised land, the first city, he just said, don't say nothing when you're going around Jericho. (laughs) Look, we don't want to mess this up. It took you 40 years to get here. Just don't say nothing now. God's just trying to, you know, make sure they get past that first city. And when they shouted, the walls came down. When they shouted the victory, when they spoke like they were supposed to speak, victory came. So if you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all. Woo! Man, I done scared y'all so bad nobody's saying nothing in here today. What's wrong with him? He ain't said nothing all week. I don't know. Oh. I want you to know this. And God wants you to know this. He loves you. You matter to him. You are so precious to him. If it would have just been you, he would have died on that cross for you. You mean everything to him. You don't just go to the cross unless you love. Don't you know what you're worth? You're worth what somebody is willing to pay and God was willing to pay everything. He was willing to lay it all out. You are precious. You're his masterpiece. He loves you with an undying, unending, unfailing, unconditional love. He loves you like that. He loves you more you can ever grasp you can go deeper into it and you can think man I have figured out God's love but you ain't even reached the surface yet you're just hovering around the outskirts of God's love for you and his plans for you see he knows the plans that he has for you but we are struggling we're having a hard time not seeing it because we're seeing with natural eyes because of all the things we've been told but God loves you. He sent his only son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's his desire, to be with you. Jesus, man, he didn't want to go, but he, he didn't want to stay because he wanted to go up here and build a mansion for you. It's not even entered into your heart what God has prepared for you. <laughs> it's gonna, when we see the truth, Instead of these temporary facts, when we see heaven and the King of Kings sitting on his throne of thrones, being the Lord of Lords, being the great I am, and we feel his love radiating, and we hear, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. We're in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy, fullness of everything that you could ever possibly need. We're going to think back and we're going to say, what was I saying? What, what was this all about to me? What, how confused did the devil have me? That The devils he, he has no power, but he, he's so tricky. <laughs> I can't believe. And, and they say that they're going to see devil the devil in hell, and they're going to say, This <laughs> is the guy that fooled the nations. They're going to look at him and laugh. <laughs> this. Oh. You know, it's time we believe in our God again. Our God's still doing miracles. Ain't that right, Harlan? Catherine? Catherine's daddy. The, your stepfather? Grandfather, I'm sorry diagnosed with terminal cancer, just went to the doctor completely (laughs) cancer-free. Me and John was talking about miracles all the way up here. God's doing miracles right in front of our eyes. And the greatest miracle that he can ever do is snatch you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you over in the kingdom of light. You're saying, well, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. I done done too much. I done, God don't want me anymore. No, 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 no. You're believing the lie. And you're thinking, but, but, but I kind of like where I'm living. I like the sin that I'm in. I like, you know, I, I like drugs. I like alcohol. I like, you know, and your flesh is telling you that. And you do get a temporary high and a temporary, I, I like sex even though I'm not married. I like sleeping with different people. That is so far below. That is not even on the scale of what God has prepared for them that love him. You have just believed a lie. You have believed a lie that you need those things, that those things are, they're they're holding, you're being held captive by your own thoughts by your own misinformation that you have believed. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. The Word of God has the power to set you free and put you on a different path and give you a different destination, a different direction to get to your destination. You don't even understand. You're thinking, well... Man, if I get this next job, I'll be making $13 an hour. I'll have it made. Okay. Where are you setting the bar? What if we took the limits off? What if we said, God, your will be done? Would you bow your head just for a moment? What if we surrendered all to the one who gave his all? What if we conceded that maybe we we hadn't got it all right? I was thinking that this is the way life is going, but I was thinking this is all it is. I was thinking that, you know, there's really no point in me doing this or that anymore. No point in dreaming anymore. No point in... I was just thinking that this is all there is. But what if this ain't all there is? What if this ain't all there is? What if you have believed a lie or several lies? Maybe you've believed lies all your life and you are so confused that right now you just need some relief. And you don't know where to turn. And I'm telling you what the Word of God says. Jesus says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. All that you are, all of you that are heavy laden, you're worn out, you're carrying this load of sin, rejection, failure. Come unto me, come unto me. You don't have to know everything. You just have to surrender everything. And you can do it. You can come unto Jesus just the way you are. And you can let the Word of God, the love of God, the mercy and the grace of God set you free. You don't have to be broke, broke down, and broke out. You don't have to be sick anymore. You don't have to... Just take what this life shoves at you. You can take a hold of the horns of the altar of God and say, I need Jesus. Thanks for listening to the podcast today.